like that when he does the hold my body down. Can't no Whew. man, I like that. That one, I love that. I love that. Thanks, Chase, for honoring that request. That's one of my favorite songs. Good morning, everyone. Good to see the North community in the house this morning. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, if you would. We are finishing up our series on the miracles of Jesus uh, this month, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Again, my name is Kendall Knight. I am a tent maker evangelist. Uh, as Chase said, I work a full-time job coach football, do a number of other things, but it's an honor to be able to serve the North River Church. But before I do that, I thought I saw the Angevels here somewhere too. So they're back there. Welcome. Good to see you guys. Just so good to see you both uh, here today. And uh, we're really super excited to be here with you this morning. We're going to talk about the miracles of Jesus through the resurrection. I mean, that song we sang, Power, is not just an Easter song. That's the power of Jesus working in us every day. And I think sometimes in this environment, it's very difficult to see that. It's very difficult to understand with all that we're facing with the pandemic, with the racial issues, the political environment, the isolation, the economic downturn. I mean, you pile it on, it goes on and on and on. But we do need to know that we do have a living hope through Jesus and the resurrection. And we do need to know that there is hope on the other side, not only here on earth, but in eternity as well. So we're going to be talking about that this morning in a great way. But before we do that, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, it's so great to be here today. It's so great to see faces in the audience, God, just to be able to talk to one another and connect with one another, Father. Uh, it's long lost family to some degree, Father. It's just refreshing to be together at some level. God, I just pray that this message will glorify you and honor you. Uh, this message, Father, will be lifted up in our hearts today. And I pray, Father, that we can see Jesus in all that we do and the miracles he serves in our lives. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You know, like I said, we serve in a couple of different capacities. My wife and I, we serve along with Bob Keen and soon-to-be Mrs. Keen, Adrian Keen. Uh, we serve uh, in our diversity ministry, carry one of those burdens. Some of you are familiar with that, have gone through that series. We had the opportunity to present at the Stronger Conference in front of an international community with hundreds of people attending our series. It was pretty exciting to do that. In addition to that, we also serve the Thrive Ministry. You're probably wondering, what is the Thrive Ministry? Uh, well, the Thrive Ministry used to be the old Edge Ministry. And we, God just said, hey, look, we're going to resurrect it and do some different things. When we went to community, this was a life stage ministry that needed some reshuffling and retooling. And so we voted on a new name called Thrives, Thrive 2020. And so I just want to familiarize you guys with the Thrive ministry, which we're excited about because I got converted as a single. And so my wife, I met her as a single. And so I'm happily married now because I was single in the kingdom of God, right? And so as a result, we have an exciting ministry, a core leadership group of people. I want to familiarize you with who's here. Uh, this is the core leadership group. This is Kyrie Gilchrist. He just came uh, about a month or so ago. Please be praying for him. The transition with allergies are really challenging, but he's part of our core leadership group. Uh, also, you guys are very familiar with Katie Tangway, who does a great job, man. She's super creative. And of course, Sabrina Harris, sort of the IT guru behind the scenes. Uh, Henry Hewitt, just a great faithful brother who's amazing, that loves God. Michelle Wright, yo, you know Michelle Wright, does so many amazing things in our church. Uh, Sarah Gifford, just a huge heart. We love Sarah. Uh, Jackie Guthrie, also the author. Um, Ryan Brown, you know that guy, right? Awesome. Uh, also, Jenica Jackson, who helps with the newsletter and does so many things behind the scenes. Also, Adrian Hipkin, soon to be Mrs. Keene, also is on our core leadership group as well. 
uh, and then Darius and uh, uh, Allison Dunn are part of the Young Marys component of the group. And also Seth and Christy Jacob, also part of the Young Marys component of the group. Just kind of want to familiarize you with what we did. 2020 Vision, we kicked it off with a single to Young Marriage Night in the FLC. We had a great time. It was like 80 or 90 Christians came out. We had, we had songs and worship and prayer and spoken word and so many different things. And then, of course, our first midweek, March 1st, we shared the plans for the year, which was great. And then, of course, April 20th, COVID hit. So we went, we went online, of course. We had a prayer night for that, a virtual prayer night online. And then we had Vibe and Thrive. We had a virtual dance party. This was, it was amazing because that night there was a lot of rioting going on in Atlanta. And uh, we had to shut it down early, but we did have a good time with that. Then, of course, summer came and we took a little break. Then we had the July International Singles Conference. And then in addition to that, Fellowship Virtual Night, August 29th. And then singles game night as well, and young marriage game night as well. And now here's our calendar for the rest of the year. Thrive Ministry events, virtual Halloween party coming up next. Thanks, uh, thank, thankfulness worship night we're going to have here in the, the uh, parking lot, holiday scavenger hunt, and a New Year's Eve party. I just want to share that with you. And we had a Thrive married couple there, uh, Antonio, and of course, uh, our dear sister Tracy just got married. Let's look over in 1 Peter chapter 1. Just wanted to show you some things of how God is doing amazing things. I know most of us in the north, we don't have many singles at all. We've got a few young marrieds, but I just wanted to let the church know that we are here. And of course, Matt Lawson is part of the Thrive Core Leadership Group as well. But let's look in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read some verses here from the Bible, and then I'm going to look at what I have up on the screen uh, really quickly here. Verse 1, it says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith more valuable than gold, which perishes through, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him, though you have not seen him, and though not seen him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That was the Holman translation there. Uh, I wanted to read that passage, and really, it's one of the most inspiring passages to me. I've always hung on to this passage as a young Christian. I've hung on to it throughout my life as a disciple, as a Christian. And I really believe it's very relevant for us today. The backdrop of this passage, for those of you who may not be feeling what's going on, Nero is creating havoc in, in, at this time in the first century. I mean, Christians are losing their lives. People are getting sought into. They're dying for their faith. I mean, heavy persecution. He starts out the passage with those scattered throughout. So immediately the Christians had to flee and run as a result of their faith. And I think for us, it can, it's relevant in some degree in regard to the things that we're facing. But there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about from the passage that can really inspire us. There are three points I'm going to make. We're going to work through some of the passage to see some things later on that I want to emphasize. But I want to talk about a few key things that we read just now. The first thing is a living hope. That's what he says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the greatest miracle in the history of mankind, the history of mankind, a man overcame death so that now we can be buried with him and have eternal life as a result. We have a living hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is an amazing point he's making. He's saying, brothers and sisters, I know it's really, really hard. Those of us in this room, it's hard. We've lost jobs. We've lost loved ones. We're struggling with more depression issues. Our children are at home. We're trying to homeschool them. We're trying to work at the same time. I've been on more conference calls where I've heard uh, with customers or with colleagues hearing babies and kids screaming in the background. I mean, it is just, it is chaotic. It's challenging. It's hard. We're isolated. There's a lot. I mean, I just saw a brother who said, man, I've been homesick. I mean, because I haven't seen anybody for so many months. I feel that way, man. It's just refreshing seeing you here, just seeing live bodies. Even though we, don't, we only see half your face, it's still good to see you. We see your eyeballs. Amen. It's just great to see you. You know, just because we're Christians, we have a living hope in our Lord Jesus Christ through the resurrection of Jesus. Do we really grasp that perspective and focus? As we're going through these political times, and I appreciate Bob as gracious as he is, the elder that he is, the wise man that he is, let me tell you something. The hope is not in the candidates that are running for president. That's not where we need to put our hope. We need to put our hope in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray that God will choose whoever he allows to be chosen to lead us however he chooses us to lead us. Now, I know in a political situation, some of these guys push our buttons, but our Christianity cannot be tied to our politics. It can't. Sorry. It shouldn't. There's so many isms that we get caught up in. Conservatism, liberalism, this ism, that ism, this view. No, it's Jesus' view. The living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Now, call me simple. I'm not as, I, look, formally, I'm not as formally educated as many of you here. Okay, I barely have a high school diploma. God's just done amazing things in my life. But I think the simpler we keep it and understand kingdom language, the resurrection is kingdom language. The mercies of Christ is kingdom language. A new birth is kingdom language. It's not pol politics that's the language. Are you with me right here? The living hope comes from Jesus, and that's where you're going to find your ultimate hope. He rose from the dead. That's where we need to place our hope because of his great mercy. Man, I can remember my life. I don't know if I would even be here today if I wasn't a Christian. I don't know. I mean, I was a train wreck, wreck looking, working to happen. Really, the choices that I made, the things that I did in my life, the people that I abused, the situations I put myself in, I, I was just reflecting on this message and my perspective prior to becoming a Christian. It's a miracle that I'm here today. It's an absolute miracle. The, the shootouts that I was close to, the, the, the drugs, the gangs, the, the, I mean, it, Every, I mean, it's a miracle that I'm here today. And I'm one of those guys who God brought me out and I've made it out. There are many people who are living hopeless lives and lost all their hope because they don't have what we have as Christians. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful, really grateful. And I think for us as Christians, that can never get old. The living hope that we have in Christ cannot get old. It can't. The resurrection has to continue to rise up in our hearts every day. The other thing that's amazing about this passage, an eternal inheritance. He says, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket today. It really doesn't matter. You know how much money you're going to have in your pocket when you get to heaven? 
nothing other than Jesus. An eternal inheritance. It doesn't matter. It's not about a 401k. It's not about a mutual fund. It's not about a savings account. Now, we need to be wise as we're here on earth. But look at the inheritance we have here. Go through Revelations 2 and 3 and see, man, white robes, the opportunity to sit on God's throne, just all the amazing things that we get to be a part of because we're disciples of Jesus. All because of the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection has given us, man, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. Maybe the pandemic and the social and racial issues is trying to help change our perspective. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe God is trying to get us to look forward and upward in faith instead of look at this earth. Maybe that's what this is all about. I don't know, but maybe it is. It could have something to do with it. Because later on in Peter, he talks incredibly about, look, let go of the empty way of life that's been handed down to you. To me, politics is empty. To me, because everyone is fighting. You you, you can't be right. Everyone's fighting about this and fighting about that. And it's not the love of Christ. It's the love of self, a personal agenda. It's not. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's going to be a footnote. Is politics going to be an internal inheritance? Is it going to, it perishes, it's faith. Look, all of these guys are going to be footnotes. They're going to be gone. The pandemic itself may be gone in a few years. Once we're gone in eternity, that will be a footnote. But at the end of the day, I really believe, brothers and sisters, we're shielded by God's power. Now, the Greek word for power means dunamis. Dunamis, you know what that means? Dynamite. Dynamite. We're shielded by dynamite. God's blowing stuff up. He's blowing Satan up when he tries to accuse us. He's not blowing us up, blowing Satan up on earth. He's also blowing him up in eternity. He's blowing up all of Satan's accusations against us. So he can prepare many rooms for all of us to be there. That's the focus and perspective that Peter's trying to help these Christians have, is that we've got God's power shielding us for salvation. You know what salvage means? It means to save. To save. He's saving us from ourselves. He's saving us from this dark world. He's saving us from these things that are here. It's interesting when you look in John and it talks about in John 17, right before Jesus prays for, you know, unity, he says, God, protect them. Don't remove them, but protect them. Okay, shield them. That's what Jesus says. The resurrection of Christ now leads us, we're no longer bare and barren by ourselves. You look in Ephesians, it says, we're sealed for the day of redemption. That God has us branded and marked. Just like you can think of a cow or something like that. They brand them or or fish. We are branded. He sees us. We're relevant to God. He knows who we are. And that's what he's trying to help these Christians to have in the backdrop as they're getting heavily persecuted and losing their lives because of their faith. And I think for us, we've got got to go deeper in that perspective. And I think we're being faced with some of those challenges now. And what's interesting here as we move on in 1 Peter chapter 1, you know, I want to read some of this. Part of it is, part of the resurrection, he says, look, you need to live a holy life. You need to put your minds ready for action and be serious and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying, be holy. What does that mean? Be set apart. Be set apart from this dark world. Be different. Be set apart. He said, be holy because I am holy. Then he says, hey, listen. 
Listen, here's the deal. In verse 17 of 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, And if you address as father the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. My brother Matt Shear is awesome. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, he's amazing. He's a great brother. Not only can he hoop, okay, he can hoop, he can get a big-time athlete, but one of the things that he emphasizes is the fear of God, is a healthy fear of God. To stand in awe of who God is, that's the thing that Peter is trying to help these brothers and sisters with. Okay, now, you were redeemed from what? The empty way of life that you inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. So you got this perfect lamb that's kind of redeemed us. Okay, so get rid of the empty way of life. Let it go. Okay, let it go. Let it go. You know, we were giving here on this earth, we're given a social security number, and we're given a political view at a very early age. Let it go. Let it go. Can't let the social security number go. Let it go. Let it go. Don't get so, if you find yourself all jacked up and emotional over these cats running for president, then there's some other issues. There's some real faith issues. Now, some of us get ticked off, yes, but come on. I mean, at the end of the day, we have the goods to help them become Christians. At the end of the day, we have the goods to help them become Christians. Okay, by obedience of the truth, you've purified yourselves. He's kind of working through this wonderful thing. For sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been what? Born again. Not of the perishable seed, but the imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. Man, that's awesome. Golly, the word of God saves us through the resurrection of Christ. Then he goes on, he says, all flesh is like grass and all is glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Man, it's awesome. The living stone, the word of God, the living stone, Jesus, the chief cornerstone. And then he goes into that and he says the chief cornerstone's been rejected. And then he goes into this amazing point. This is what turned me around when I studied the Bible in my light and darkness study. Look at this one. Bam. Wow. A holy nation. Wow. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may de declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Just a real powerful passage. Real powerful passage. Just we're a royal priesthood. At this time, we're going to invite up, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, okay? The United States of America, thank you, God, that I live here, and thank you, God, that we all live here, is not the kingdom of God. It's a place that we live temporarily. A holy nation is what we're called to be, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, a chosen people. That's why we do our diversity series, so we can understand how this holy nation, this people, this group of one another, us brothers and sisters, can function sincerely together. Not pushing an agenda, but how do we love deeply and relationally? We're getting ready to hear from a sister, as Enid Chair is going to, she's going to go ahead and introduce our sister, Kelly Hobby, who's sharing about a living hope and eternal inheritance. And she's one of our sisters who is a part of our holy nation. So at this time, I'm going to bring up Anna Chair to go ahead and share her thoughts here. Thank you. Hi, church. Good morning. I'm Anid Cheer, and along with my husband, Matt, we have the privilege of being on staff here at North River. It's a, an incredible honor, and it's so great to be here in person today. And as we transition into uh, our time of communion, 
uh, I just wanted to share that I just love this passage about the living hope. And that is who Jesus is, right? Jesus is uh, our big brother. He is our savior. Uh, God is a God of miracles. And only through Jesus can we have that true living hope. Uh, I was a woman who at one time didn't have a lot of uh, hope as far as my relationship with God. I had a lot of hope uh, in myself or in my career ambitions and graduating from college. Uh, And when I was able to study the Bible, God really showed me that this is the opportunity to have a living hope. And our sister Kelly Hobby is going to share uh, her testimony about how Jesus is such a miracle worker and the miracles that he's done in, his, in her life. And only through the blood of Jesus is that possible. Hi, good morning. My name is Kelly Hobby, and I just wanted to share a few minutes um, about how meaningful the scripture 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4 is to me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. And it's that phrase, a living hope, that really resonates with me. Um, I remember when I was little, I can recall that hopeless feeling that feeling you get after you have cried yourself to sleep, when you wake up with that stuffy nose, just because of all the tears that were shed at night. Um, Growing up, I had a a really strained relationship with my family. You know, when you're little, you can't differentiate mental illness and drug addiction from thinking that your parents hate you and resent your existence. And I just lived in that. I thought they hated me. And now as an adult, I understand that there was so much more there Um, But it it really left me alone and scared um, and empty. And in order to to really just kind of cope with my feelings of rejection and pain, I began medicating at a really young age. I had a lot of feelings of deep loneliness. And as a young preteen, I used all sorts of illegal substances. I was involved with older men, um, and I took part in things that would break my heart now as a mom um, and just scare me to think that my daughter could possibly do those things and to think that that I did. Um, I was lost and I was alone. I was scared. I was angry. I was consistently putting myself in situations that were truly, truly dangerous um, for a little girl to be in. I think back, though, through that time, and I was actually surrounded by others that were making similar choices. Um, My list of sins is not unique. However, my story is. And just like in verse 3, it's by God's great mercy. Um, I think how he put a teacher in my life. And as an attempt to get away from certain influences now, years later, I joined theater in high school. And I became really involved. And unfortunately, during my sophomore year in high school, my drama department teacher passed away. And our school hired numerous substitutes. And my memory recalls the 13th teacher staying. So we had gone from teacher after teacher after teacher, and they all left. 
Um, they didn't want to deal with all these teenagers that were really just heartbroken over the loss of someone that we dearly loved. Um, and a lot of the kids that were in the theater department were similar to me and dealing with different feelings of rejection and loneliness. And um, But the 13-1 stayed and that teacher taught my drama class and ended up directing the plays. And I remember seeing something different in this teacher. I saw grit. I saw hard work. Um, I didn't understand why she even cared about this group of kids that ran out all these other teachers, but she did. And she wanted to provide a safe space uh, for us. And I think what really, one of the things that really impacted me was that this teacher saw me. Um, she saw me and loved me regardless. She was able to see through the facade. No one knew, no one, none of my friends knew uh, what I was living with at home. Um, they knew what I did on the weekends because they were with me, but they had no idea why. They had no concept of how bad it was. Um, and for how, I don't know how, but she was able to see it. She saw past the outer shell. Um, she saw that I needed food. We very rarely had food at home in the fridge. Um, she fed me. She would bring Taco Bell to high school, to my school, and get it to me. Um, and she provided even a safe space for me to skip class. Instead of leaving campus and doing drugs, I could go to her classroom. I could sit. I could get away, but it was safe. And it was a safer alternative than what I was going to do. Um, and God ended up using that teacher to really change the tra trajectory of my life. Um, I think of this teacher and, and just the impact that she made. And now I'm a teacher and I think of the impact I want to make on my students um, and the example that she is for me. And that teacher's name, her name was Miss Meyer. Um, and as an adult, I have gone to guidance counseling, uh, not guidance counseling. I've gotten guidance from counselors and I've shared this information obviously with my counselor. And I remember one time as I was sharing, she started to cry and she expressed to me that what I was saying was not, she was not unique. Like I said earlier, um, you know, my story is actually very common, but it's how God gave me a new ending. Um, and not just one new ending, but many new endings. So many of my choices that I had made should have turned out a different way. Um, I should have been a statistic. I could have been many statistics. Um, and she was just so moved and inspired to see how God had taken a path that was a child that was going on a path going this way picked me up and threw me the other way, put someone in my life um, to completely steer me in a different direction. And that teacher just wasn't just a teacher. She wasn't just an awesome high school teacher. But this teacher also was a disciple who ended up studying the Bible with me and baptizing me my junior year. And it ended up becoming like family to me. Miss Meyer got married a few years later and um, later became Mrs. Cheer. 
And now I get to call her Enid. <laughs> and my daughter calls her Titi. <laughs> um, and just to think how God is able in his great, great mercy do so much more than we could ever imagine. And how I hope that we can be reminded of the miracles that God does in our lives in his great mercy and how he still does them today. Like it said at the end of that verse, it can never spoil or fade. It's an inheritance that just keeps going. Like God is so much bigger. I would have never imagined that this high school teacher could have an impact into my eternity and how not only did God use her to help me change my worldly life, but also my eternal life as well. Thank you. Man, what an amazing, what an amazing video. Just thank uh, Kelly when you see her, just how much she shared, the living hope we have uh, in Jesus, the eternal inheritance we have, and the holy nation that we can become. I want to read a verse, pray through it, um, and then we'll take communion. It says in Romans 6, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For we've been joined with him in the likeness of his death. We will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that, that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims, now if we die with Christ, we'll believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For in light of the... The, for in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all, but in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much um, for the way you've blessed us, and you want to bless the world, God. Help us to hold out the living hope that we have. Help us to help people to see the inheritance that's available to them. And God, most of all, help us to live as called out holy nation, Father, a royal priesthood, those who were once living in darkness filled with your mercy. Thank you for Jesus, the amazing miracles he did uh, throughout his life. Thank you for the miracle of the resurrection, one that's considered probably the greatest of all time, certainly is. And we're thankful, Father, that you see us because of your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.